time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. It's another edition of the Re-Engineering Your Finances podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy of CP Weldy Group. Charles is the founder and also a certified financial planner. He can be found in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office on uh, Route 52 there in Chad's Ford. You can find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, we've got a great show on the way today. You're going to be a, a politician on today's show. You're going to play a politician. How's that sound? Uh-oh. I, you know, I might be in trouble. <laughs> half my clients are Democrats and half are Republicans. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. How about this? We're going to let you play financial politician on today's show, not not just regular old politician. So it, it narrows the scope of what you need to take sides on a little bit. Does that help? That helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to have a little fun today and uh, make Charles run for the office of financial advisor. So what if your advisor had to be elected in order to become your advisor? What would be some of the bedrock principles that you'd want to campaign on? All right, so we're not going to really be asking Charles to take you know deep sides here from a political standpoint, but I think this should be fun anyway. We're going to look, see what your campaign promises look like and your uh, campaign foundation looks like here, Charles. So I've been handed an advanced copy, so I'm going to ask you about your uh, various levels of your platform here. Uh, First one, I see that according to your team, uh, as part of your race to become a financial advisor, uh, keeping people as safe as possible by managing risk is one of your top priorities. Explain. So uh, the big buzzword today is risk-adjusted return. So what does that mean? It means that you're going to get the return based upon the risk that you're willing to take. And let's face it, if we used uh, as a proxy cash 1%, fixed income 3 and stock 6 the question to ask is, why don't people have all their money in stock? Because six is, is, is six times greater than one. Well, the answer really is because, you know, with stocks, there's volatility and there's, there's perceived risk. But Walter, I want to say one thing, and I, this is like, you know, so important, is no matter how you invest, there's no such thing as no risk because you could be safe and conservative today and have all your money in cash and fixed income, short-term fixed income that's not going to fluctuate. Uh, and you're going to risk running out of money in retirement because you're only getting 1% to 3%. And that's just not going to cut it with future inflation projections. If you have all your money in stock and you need money you know, temporarily and the stock goes down, you might also risk running out of money because you're pulling money out of an account that went down in value and you'll never get it back. So the key is that you know you have to have a portfolio that really is based on time horizon. When will the money be needed? So if the money is going to be needed within the next year, it goes in the bank. If the money is going to be needed, say, within the next five to 10 years, it should be in something conservative, perhaps some fixed income. And lastly, if the money is not going to be needed for seven to 10 years plus, it should be in the market. And the the market, you know, basically with that combination of, you know, uh, immediate short-term and long-term investing, you should be able to manage your risk and, you know, hopefully outlive your capital. It's interesting to uh, know that that is your bedrock principle number one, but I think it's an important one to certainly underscore, and I can see why you've made that so central to your campaign platform here, Charles. All right, it uh, looks like point number two on the platform is to unite the different elements of a portfolio by helping different pieces work together in harmony. That sounded like a politician wrote that statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see the big horn now blowing. That's right. Um, so I guess like with that, like different por- elements of a portfolio working in harmony. I mean, basically, you know, let's just talk about 
the different types of investments. All right. So obviously cash is cash, but fixed income, you could have short term, intermediate term, long term fixed income. You could have bonds, individual bonds, bond funds. You could have uh, annuities, fixed annuities, fixed index annuities. All right. We could have in the stock arena, we could have growth stocks, value stocks, international stocks, domestic stocks, small companies, large companies, mid-sized companies. So there's a whole like, you know, universe of investing that we really need to maybe have a little bit of each. Why? Because in any one year, you know, uh, like a baseball team, like, you know, uh, you need like nine players, you need like all these asset classes. But I want to take it a step further. I want to just not talk about, you know, the elements of a portfolio. I want to take a subset and look at the taxation of that portfolio. So, you know, when we design a portfolio, we really strive to make sure that we don't have too much of our assets in something that will generate ordinary income. Uh, we, ho- we hope to have some assets that will generate capital gains, which are taxed at lower rates. Um, we want to make sure we don't have too much money in tax deferred, which someday, you know, when that harvest grows and we have to take the money out, we're paying tax at a, or more money at, at potentially higher rates based upon our current tax situation. So, you know, different elements of portfolio really, if you visualize a tic-tac-toe, I guess visual, you have like nine boxes, you'll have like, uh, can you visualize that, Walter, as I'm speaking? Tic-tac-toe, nine boxes? Yeah, tic-tac-toe, the nine box, three by three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so up on the top, you know, of the tic-tac-toe box, I guess it would be like horizontally, you'd have the words now money, soon money, later money. And then on the left-hand side of the tic-tac-toe box, well, uh, you know, from top to bottom, you'd have pre-tax, post-tax, and tax-free. So now you have nine boxes to take these assets and to put them in strategically. And as a, you know, financial planning firm, we do that. And we have cases where we have clients that make $150,000 per year in retirement. And that's a mixture of various asset classes. It could be life insurance. It could be Roth IRAs. It could be traditional IRAs. It could be tax-free bonds. It could be uh, Social Security. But $150,000 coming on their return and their tax rate is less than 5%, right? Why? Because they looked at that, quote, tic-tac-toe box and strategically placed their assets so that when they pull them out, when they're needed, you know, they're, they're paying the least amount of taxes and they're in the right places. And I think it's like unbelievable. I don't know why most people don't do it, but I guess if I really, you know, uh, was truthful, most people don't even know about it. They just look at, hey, how much money do I have? When do I need it? Should I have a moderate growth, uh, conservative portfolio? And they never take the time to actually like use these subsets and put money strategically in the boxes that will give them the biggest bang for their buck from a tax point of view and from a diversification point of view. It's interesting um, that you can't really have, it sounds to me from your analysis, um, you know, that portfolio working in harmony unless that tax situation is figured out. That's, that's one of those key elements that's got to be working to bring everything together and make sure it's all, uh, you know, all working for your best interest. So good to keep Absolutely. that in mind. All right, another campaign promise or platform that you have, Charles, here on the list, getting dollars back to work by eliminating lazy money. Yeah, lazy money. So um, that reminds me of the Rule 72. Do you know what the Rule 72 is, Walter? That's the uh, doubling, doubling money rule. Is that right? Yeah, you take 72 and divide it by your rate of return, and it tells you how long it's going to take for you to double your money. So, you know, again, I use a proxy 
1% for cash, 3% for fixed income, and 6% for stock. So let's take stock. 72 uh, divided by 6% is what? 6 and 72 is 12. It takes 12 years for money to double in the stock market in that example. If it was in fixed income, 72 divided by 3, it would take 24 years for that money to double if it was in fixed income. And then when you look at cash, 72 divided by 1, it would take 72 years for that money to double if it was in cash. And that's my pet peeve. And I said it before on prior podcasts, is I find that too many people have too much money in cash. That's the lazy money. Now, obviously, they're going to need some type of money in that cash account. Uh, you know, they got to fix the new roof, but maybe the new roof doesn't cost 30000 Maybe it costs fifteen to 18000 Maybe they're going to buy a new car. Maybe that new car doesn't cost 50000 Maybe it costs 35000 The point I want to make is many, many times I see people having too much money in cash. Case in point, last week, one of my tax clients came in and I noticed that she had a lot of interest income on her tax return. So I asked her, hey, you know, based upon maybe a half a percent rate of return, you've got like $180,000 in cash. He goes, how did you know? Uh, and I said, well, you know, I just took a half a percent times the interest. And, you know, I kind of figured ballpark you had about 180. She goes, I do. So basically, we talked a little bit and she's shifting 100,000 of the 180 into a fixed annuity. It's a plain vanilla fixed annuity, pays two and a half percent. But here's the thing, Walter. She just had to move the money from her left pocket to the right pocket. She still has it. And instead of getting nothing, she's getting like $2,500 a year, a little more than $200 a month. So, you know, getting a lazy money back to work, that's just one example. There could be someone who's younger that, um, you know, could put that money perhaps in stocks. And again, you know, two and a half percent is what I just, you know, showed her in terms of fixed income. But today in stocks, I think six, net six is probably a good number. Basically, um, you know, just to, you know, finalize this, people have too much money in cash and, you know, cash is really solely for liquidity. And, um, you know, if you're concerned about inflation, which you really should be in retirement, uh, you got to get that money to work either in some other type of fixed income or perhaps in the stock market if your time horizon is seven to 10 years or more. It's a great point. I think the rule of 72 really helps put things in perspective when you can kind of put it in terms of years doubling. And it just makes it easier to consume and understand the difference between 1%, 3%, 7%, that kind of thing. Just really helps you see the acceleration of money at the higher rates. And uh, I just think it's important to, to, to be able to grasp that as an investor and as a saver. Um, for, you know, just for all different points of the process. Uh, just good to kind of embody that a little bit. All right. Uh, another campaign platform that you have here, Charles, eliminating the fear that people have of running out of money. That's probably a good one to include because that's a pretty top fear, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize it was so prevalent. I mean, even people that have money are afraid of running out of money, which, you know, kind of like, you know, surprises me. But I spoke to a, a gentleman in the industry. His name's Curry Johnson recently. He's like um, a coach to financial advisors, a real good guy. He knows a lot of information. And I speak with him frequently. And he had mentioned to me that seven out of 10 people are, you know, afraid of running out of money. And I find that unbelievably, you know, high. But, you know, I'm going to go on his word that seven out of 10 people, that means like, you know, when you go out today and you see 10 people, only three of them feel really comfortable about their retirement. And something's wrong with that. And, you know, I think to solve that issue, if people, again, got a date dollar specific plan, and you had mentioned on an earlier podcast, Walter, your father, you know, thought he would never retire and he's going to retire in two years. I mean, the reason why he's retiring in two years is number one, he set a goal. And number two, he got a written plan. And um, I think if people do that, 
They can uh, minimize or alleviate their fear of running out of money and maybe address some of the things that could be the leak in the dike, like long-term care, future taxation or medical uh, bills rising, that type thing. So um, just to sum it up, I mean, the fear of running out of money is a little bit greater than I thought it would be uh, in terms of seven out of 10 people, according to Dr. Curry Johnson. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's just interesting that no matter how much money someone has, they can still have that fear, right? Like it just, it's all about lifestyle and so many other factors that play into it. Um, So many other responsibilities that they may take onto their shoulders when they have those kinds of funds. So always good to keep those things in mind. All right, Charles, one last uh, question for you then. Any other bedrock principles that you want to add to your platform here? Well, I'm going to steal a couple from a gentleman by the name of Nick Murray. Nick Murray's up in New York. Uh, I've been going to you know see him annually for maybe the last 15, 20 years. And he has some, like, we call them Nick Murrayisms. And uh, one of them is wealth comes to the owner, not the loner. So basically what that says, Walter, is uh, if you really want to you know, create wealth, you have to be a stock owner. You can't be uh, you know, a bondholder. And obviously in the real world, you need a little bit of both depending upon where you are in life. But by and large, wealth comes to the owner, not the loner, because the loner will just keep abreast with inflation, but you have to create a rising income to cover rising living expenses. And the only asset class that I know of that does that historically and consistently is stocks. And then maybe the second um, Nick Murray uh, euphemism, or not euphemism, but Nick Murray saying is um, short-term unknowable, long-term inevitable. And I love that because uh, now and then I get you know clients asking me, hey, what do you think about the market? And I just say, Joe, short-term unknowable, long-term inevitable. And I really don't have to say much more because, you know, the news dictates the short term market. But history, if history is any guy that dictates a long term market. And basically, you know, if you have your money in stocks, as we talked about earlier in this uh, podcast, is you really need a seven to 10 year time horizon because volatility can be your friend if you give it time and it can be your enemy if you don't give it enough time. So uh, they're probably the two uh, sayings that, you know, I would add. Uh, wealth comes to the owner, not the loner, and short-term unknowable, long-term inevitable. I love it. And that's a good uh, Murrayism, you called it, to, uh, yeah, to share on Murray-ism. the show. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, there you go. Some good financial principles to base a campaign off of. Thanks for playing along with this, Charles. That was fun to put you no, in the great. spotlight like that. Sounds good. <laughs> Test you a little bit. Uh, no, that was good. And I think that's a great campaign to run on as a financial advisor. Lots of good bedrock principles there. So, Walter, I just have one question. Yes. Do I have, do I have your vote? You have my vote, Charles. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you passed the mom test and you did great answering these questions. So, Super. There you go. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Charles, talk a little bit about your own financial plan, how you can prepare for your financial future, and talk about some of these bedrock principles that we laid out on the show today and make sure that you're following these principles, that these things are set up properly in your plan, your portfolio, give Charles a call. 610-388-7705 is the number. 610-388-7705 or go online to cpweldygroup.com. Charles, thanks for the help on the show today. Great chatting with you as always. Thank you, Walter. Really appreciate your time and expertise. We'll talk to you again next time. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you on the Reengineering Your Finances podcast next time around. Thanks for listening.
Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.